this morning. Uh, if you'll turn to the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to be going to Matthew chapter 9 here in just a little bit. I promise I will get there eventually. I know for those of you that were here last week, you enjoyed having my pastor here, uh, Brother Jim Sanders, uh, being with you last week. He's an incredible man of God, great pastor. He's been a huge influence on my life uh, for the good. And uh, so I'm sure you were blessed if you were here last week. Just a reminder, this week, I don't know, uh, I, I know not everyone comes to our Wednesday night Bible studies, and, and I understand some of you work, and you have, a, you know, maybe work out of town, you can't be here for Wednesday night Bible studies. But uh, tonight, I, I mean, this coming Wednesday night, if I were you, I would come, okay? Because we're going to continue our celebration uh, this week, and we're going to have homemade ice cream here Wednesday night. And you do not want to miss that. Uh, we, we encourage you to come, because if you don't come and you don't bring your ice cream, we won't have any to eat. And so bring your favorite recipe, homemade ice cream or dessert or whatever it is that you enjoy that's legal. We want you to bring that to church Wednesday night. All ages will be together, and we're just going to have a time of fellowship and, and celebration as a church. Wednesday night, 630. Uh, maybe you've got some friends that don't go to church anywhere, and this would be a great way to kind of get them in the door to show them that we're not dangerous, and we uh, like having a good time and eating. And so invite them to come uh, as well. And, and this morning, before we get to Matthew chapter 9, I, I want to share with you uh, a brief summary this morning of kind of what God has done in you and God has done through you uh, and through the church over the past year. And since we're focusing on celebrations this week and, and uh, fireworks kept us up late last night in our neighborhood, I don't know about yours, but uh, as we celebrate this week, I thought that it would be a great week to go ahead and get the party started and get the celebration started today, but celebrate God and celebrate His goodness and celebrate His blessings and what He's done uh, in our lives and, and in our church over the past year. As many of you know, uh, a couple weeks ago, our, our staff, uh, along with several delegates from our church, represented you at our annual district assembly. It was held in uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas at the Forest Home Church of the Nazarene. Those of you that have been around a while know that Forest Home Church of the Nazarene burned down a few years ago, but God is blessed. They've built some incredible uh, facilities. Uh, we're not supposed to covet, but man, they've got an awesome place. And uh, God was good, and, and we spent several days up there at our district assembly in Jonesboro. And so what I want to do today is just uh, briefly share with you what I was blessed to be able to share with them on your behalf uh, to our district family about our church. And then I want to just show you uh, some data, some statistics about your faithfulness and God's blessings on our church over the past year. And then I want to give you a brief update over uh, about where I've been this past week, which was General Assembly uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana. But first this morning, I want to start by sharing with you the report that I had the blessing to be able to share on your behalf uh, to our district assembly. And it goes like this. Dr. Busick, Dr. Berkner, and members and friends of the North Arkansas District Assembly, it's my great honor and privilege to humbly report for my Greenbrier Church of the Nazarene today. 
First, I want to thank my amazing wife, Lynette, for her continued support and encouragement. I could not do what I do without her help and her support. Thank you to an incredible staff that's willing to always go above and beyond in their respective ministry roles. I wouldn't trade one single person on our staff for anyone else. We are blessed with a staff who loves people like Jesus. All of our staff and our volunteers make me look good as a pastor, and they do the hard work that makes it a joy for me to be able to share their report. You can see in our statistical reports that God has continued to bless this great church in this small town of Greenbrier. God continues to honor our vision and passion to make a difference in our local community. Our people understand that we have been blessed to be a blessing to others. This past year, we've helped countless students with various needs to be successful, not only in their education, but also in their home lives. We provided 48 students with backpacks and school supplies. We provided new tennis shoes for almost 50 students this year. Over 40 students we assisted with clothing needs and 67 students with Christmas presents. Our church has filled food pantries at our local schools on 10 different occasions over the past year. Gave out 50 food boxes at Thanksgiving. Hey, I'm going dead. Is that me or my battery? My battery. Hold on. Should have checked that. Our church has filled food pantries at, in our local schools on 10 different occasions, gave out 50 food boxes at Thanksgiving and 34 more food boxes to take home to begin summer break. We had over 1,500 to 2,000 people in our community enjoy an Easter egg hunt that once again offered 30,000 Easter eggs and candy for the children to find and enjoy. Loving on and serving our community is why we believe God has shown us fruit for our labors by seeing over 40 people make a public profession of faith and adding 52 new people into our membership. The more we give, the more we work to build his kingdom, the more he seems to bless us. We've had a tremendous year, but we anticipate even greater days in the future as we are currently beginning construction on a new children's worship center that should be completed and fully operational in the next few months. To God be all the glory. And I respectfully and humbly submitted that report on your behalf. That's your report uh, as a church. And so I, I, I quickly just want to look at some of the statistics, some of the numbers. Uh, numbers are important. There's a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. And so people that say numbers aren't important, they're, they're full of corn. Numbers are important because every person is a number. And every person has a soul that's going to spend an eternity somewhere. So don't tell me numbers are not important. Our church year runs from May 1st until April 30th. And so we are just now freshly into a new church year. And here's a statistic from our past church year that gets me the most excited. And it's the fact that we saw 41 people accept Christ as their Lord and Savior of their life. Over the past six years... We have seen over 200 people cross over from death to life. And thanks be to God for what He has done in and through your faithfulness and your obedience to share the gospel with others. We had 21 baptisms this past year. 
We took in 52 new members into the church, and our current membership is now at 545. Our Sunday morning worship attendance is now 357. And here's a statistic that speaks volumes, I believe. This shows that more and more people are bought into the mission of the church. They're bought into the vision of the church and what we're doing uh, here as a church. We had an all-time record high year of giving with a total of $637,951. And I just want to thank you this morning so much for your faithfulness to follow God's command to bring our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings uh, into the storehouse. We could not do what we do here without your faithfulness and your obedience to that. Next, what I want to do is just take a look at briefly of how the money that you gave and tithed was used uh, to further the Great Commission uh, to make disciples. In the Church of the Nazarene, uh, we, we have different funds that we give toward, and it's based off a percentage of every dollar that comes into the church where this money goes. And so I want to share with you uh, where it went in the following areas. The first is our World Evangelism Fund this past year. Through your giving, we gave over uh, nearly $35,000. This money goes towards spreading the gospel. Now, it doesn't have anything to do with our local ministry. This is solely dedicated towards spreading the gospel to the world. This is an international effort. The Church of the Nazarene is not just an American denomination. We are one of the largest worldwide denominations in the entire world world and our our denomination is doing a tremendous job of starting churches and spreading the gospel in every corner uh, of the world today we are currently located we currently uh, have churches of the nazarene in 162 world areas and countries and you're a part of that through your giving and your faithfulness tim carter remind me lynette and i uh, came to this church back in the early 90s and he came up to me after the early service and he said do you remember back in the early 90s when you guys were just being introduced to the church of the nazarene what our goal was and i said no i wasn't paying attention uh those those days that brother jim gave the report I, I didn't listen but uh, like some of you I've, I've lost you but uh, back in the early 90s the goal was uh, of the church was by 95 to be in 95 world countries and, and areas and today we're in over 162 world areas today there are over two and a half million Nazarenes on this earth on this planet 22,000 organized churches 500 districts and 700 deployed missionaries at the general assembly this past week uh, we had two general superintendents retire dr porter and dr warwick and uh, we our general uh, superintendent our board of general superintendents has six superintendents on it that oversee the ministries of the entire denomination all around the world uh, so two Americans retired. Dr. Philly Chambo was elected as our 42nd general superintendent. He formerly had served as our Africa regional director and was born and raised in Mozambique. Then came the election of only the second female 
in the Church of the Nazarene to be elected as a general superintendent, Dr. Carla Sundberg. She was born in Germany, uh, a child to missionaries, did mission work in Russia, and most recently has served as the president of Nazarene Theological Seminary. So now our board of general superintendents looks so much more like the Church of the Nazarene than it ever has. Six superintendents, three of which are American. One of those born in Germany. One from Cabo Verde, one from Guatemala, and one from Mozambique. We are truly a global church with global leadership leading us into the future. And I just want to give you a glimpse. This video is a little long uh, that I'm about to show you, but I just want to give you a glimpse of what worship looks like today in the Church of the Nazarene. This is from a, a service that we had uh, one night last week. Approximately 20, 25,000 people uh, were present there in Indianapolis. And I want you to enjoy this worship. This is English. I'm going to tell you the different languages as we go through. Holy, holy is you. Would you sing it with me? Sing a new song. Sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. We sing holy. South Africa. Japanese. 
that was probably the most powerful worship that I had ever experienced. And I know it was a little long, but some of you might want to watch it again at home sometime or share it with a friend. It's on YouTube, and you can find it out there. Here's something else interesting that took, this pl that took place this week for the first time ever in the Church of the Nazarene. The international delegation that was present at General Assembly outnumbered the United States delegation. One-third. One-third of the delegation was from the United States. Another third was from Africa. And the remaining third was from other countries around the world. It was truly an assembly that was marked by love, marked by unity, grace, on a, on a host of current social issues. And you and I are very well aware of the social issues that we face today. That, our, that, that we never had to deal with or face as children. And, and it was an assembly where the Church of the Nazarene gathered in love, grace, and unity and, and made a statement about where we stand in these different areas and will be addressed in the upcoming release of the manual of the Church of the Nazarene, some of which were beautiful statements, adopted it as our official stance on human sexuality, modern slavery, and racism. You should be proud, very proud today to be a part of a denomination that doesn't just talk about doing missions. It doesn't just talk about loving others and extending grace to others. We open up our wallets, we get on airplanes, and we go and make disciples as Jesus called us to do. Jesus said, go, and I'm proud today that the Nazarenes are going and not only have you been generous and been a, a part of what is taking place all around the world today, also uh, this past year our church has given uh, almost $40,000 to ministry just on the North Arkansas district that's done uh, here across Northern Arkansas. We gave almost $14,000 to go to pensions and benefits for retired uh, Nazarene ministers. Almost $14,000 to help fund our regional Nazarene College that's in Bethany, Oklahoma, Southern Nazarene University. We also help support a local food bank in Conway, many of you familiar with, called Soul Food Cafe. We, uh, we often have people come and stop needing help with food and assistance, and we uh, have partnered with Soul Food Cafe to be able to send people there to get help with their needs. And we have given uh, approximately $1,200 this past year toward that partnership. We have uh, invested approximately $2,200 to provide meals at Bethlehem House in Conway, which is a homeless uh, shelter. Uh, we have people that every month prepare food and take food on your behalf. And I just want to thank those people that are here today uh, that do that and come in and prepare that food. They purchase the food, prepare the food, and deliver the food and serve it, being the hands and feet of Jesus to uh, this homeless shelter. Over the past year, We've continued a partnership of ministry that's been very dear uh, to many of our hearts here at Greenbrier Nazarene and that Soaring Wings Ranch for children. And through your generosity, we've been able to financially assist them with over $14,000 to help uh, children uh, at the ranch this past year, including these areas that I mentioned. And this is phenomenal. Over the past year, we have invested 
over $30,000 this past year specifically toward local missions right here in our very community. This is the work that we do in our schools and the local needs that are met right here in our community. And you've invested over $30,000 doing that, doing all the things that I mentioned earlier uh, in the report that I presented to our assembly. And, and I can tell you there are very few churches that are financially strong enough and stable enough to be able to make the kind of impact that we're making on our community today being the hands and feet of Jesus and it's because of you it's because of your faithfulness and your commitment to giving to fund the mission of the church this past year our total local ministry costs uh, were a little over four hundred twenty eight thousand um, dollars that's total cost of providing ministry just through our church, mortgage payments, salaries, uh, repairs, upgrades, technology, utilities, all, all the things that it costs just to do uh, business uh, in a church our size and to do ministry uh, here. And here's something else that I'm pretty excited about. Our current indebtedness, and can't many churches say this, is below $100,000. Right now we only owe $83,760. And again, it's because of your faithfulness every month we're paying $4,000 more than our mortgage payment that goes directly to our principal and we expect to have that debt paid off quickly. And you may or may not agree with me, but I honestly do not believe we should ever be out of debt. We ought to continue to build the church and build the kingdom. Uh, one last thing before we get, that may get me ran off, I don't know, but that's just kind of how I feel about it. Uh, one last thing before we get to our scripture this morning, because of your faithfulness and dedication to ministry in our local community and what you've done, I was blessed on your behalf to receive the District Superintendent Church of the Year Award. We are so blessed, and this is not my award. This is not my award. This is your award because we have been blessed to be a blessing. We've been given much. And God's word says to those who have been given much, much more is required. There's more required of us than some churches uh, that are established today. Much has been given. Much is expected uh, from us. This is why we can't get comfortable. You know, we can look back and we can praise God for what He's done the past 110, 115 years uh, here at this church, but God's not finished here in Greenbrier Nazarene. He's not done. And I still believe, and I will continue to say, our best days are ahead of us. Because here's, here, here's the deal. Every, you know, once you've met Jesus Christ, once you've had an experience with the Savior, once He has changed you, once He has transformed you, you're going to want other people to know Him. You're going to want to introduce other people uh, to this one that's made such an impact uh, in your life. And so we're going to see that in our text this morning here in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, we're going to see an example of that. Here's what's so fascinating to me about the Gospel of Matthew. And you may have never even considered this before. The New Testament begins with the 
Gospel of Matthew, right? The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We don't think too much of it. This is absolutely insane that the New Testament would begin with the Gospel of Matthew. And here's why that's so fascinating to me and, and, and so interesting. Back then, in their society, okay, Matthew was a tax collector. He was a, a tax collector, and tax collectors back then were the worst of the worst, okay? They, they were like the scum of the earth. If sinners were going to hell, tax collectors were driving the bus, all right? I mean, they were absolutely uh, the worst. They were the bottom rung of the social la ladder, and people absolutely despised tax collectors because they were thieves, they were crooks, they, you know, they were part of the mafia, you know, they were just bad, bad, bad people. These were the type of people that you didn't want in your church, all right? These were the type of people that if they came in the church, the ushers would usher them out of the church. That's Matthew. But look at what Jesus did, and I love this. It's starting at verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew. He was sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up, and he followed him. And just real quickly, what I see in that is, is, you know what? Sometimes people don't accept Jesus because we never extend them an invitation to meet him. We've written them off. They're too bad, right? They're the bottom rung. They're, they're the scum of the earth. We never even consider to hand them an invitation to follow Jesus. And Jesus went to the worst of the worst, and he said, follow me. And don't miss this. We see it time and time again from Jesus. Jesus goes after who? He goes after the most unlikely people. Not the clean ones, not the ones that have it all together, not the ones that appear to have it all together. He goes, over, he goes after the most unlikely people. And probably when this happened, everybody, and I believe probably even some of the disciples went, Oh my right? He just did that. And, and I'm sure everyone uh, around was shocked, but here's the deal. Jesus, the Bible says, he came to seek and to save who? Those who are lost. He came to seek and save those that were lost. Matthew was lost. Matthew needed Jesus. Jesus sought him out. He went to where he was. He sought him out and he says, I need you to join me. I want you to be a difference maker. I want you to leave the life that you're in and to follow me. And here's what I want us uh, to notice this morning. Uh, more specifically, notice Matthew's reaction when he met Jesus. He accepted the invitation to follow, right? And then he's like, you know what? If he'll accept me, if he'll love me, if he'll do this for me, I've got other friends, right? I, I've got family members. I, I know other tax collectors. I'm in like this crime ring, right? And, and I know all of these people that need to meet Jesus too. And, and so what does he do? He throws a party. Right? Literally, he has a cookout where? Not at the church. He had a party at his house. 
And this is what the Bible says in verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner, where? Sinner's house. Tax collector's house. While he's having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Why did they come? Because everybody knows that sinners throw the best parties. Right? Matthew's having a party. We're all going. How surprised they were to show up and no one had tapped the keg. I mean, it was they were expecting a party. Matthew set them up. Right? And here's what's going on, though. When Matthew met Jesus, he wanted all his friends to meet him, too. And so what did he do? Well... He created an environment that his friends would be comfortable in coming to, right? He extended them an invitation. He created a situation to where he could get them and introduce them to Jesus. Because he's thinking, if he changed me, he could change them. And Matthew did whatever it took. He did whatever it took to create that environment, which, by the way, is an incredible evangelism strategy. <laughs> you can put all your books aside. You can put all of your, your evangelism programs and all that. You can put it aside and just do what Matthew did. Because this is an incredible way to evangelize the lost. We talk it, uh, about it a lot around here. But the church isn't this building. We are the church. It is not this building, whether we're in these facilities or we're on the job or we're at school or we're at the Senior Citizen Center, right? Our, our ministry is not just to be done in this building, right? Jesus said what? He said, go and make disciples. He said, you go and make disciples. And so we have to be mindful of this in order to fulfill our call that Jesus placed upon us as followers of Jesus. We must create an environment where the lost can come and feel welcome and meet Jesus. And oh, by the way, that will take money. That will take time. That will take commitment to the lost. But we need to understand this. Just like in the scripture that we're looking at here this morning... It will not happen without opposition. And it may come from the most unlikely people that we never imagined. It may come from family members. It may come from the closest friends. But it will not happen without people questioning, why are you doing what you're doing? Verse 11 says, when the Pharisees saw this, they were the religious people, the church folks. When they saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? There will always be opposition when we do what Jesus did. Right? Why are they mad? Why are they upset? Well, they're mad, number one, because Jesus is at a party. <laughs> right? He went to a party with the tax collectors. He's hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, and he's not hanging out with them at the church. He's not spending near enough time in the office, and they do not like it, 
right? And 2,000 years later, people still sadly don't get it. And, and here's why. When we start reaching out to the lost, when we start reaching out to the tax collectors, when we start reaching out to those that we've been called to reach out to, can I just tell you what's going to happen? It's going to get messy. It's going to get real messy. Windows are going to get broke. <laughs> and you know what's going to happen? There are going to be some church people that don't like it. They don't like the mess. They don't like the fact that we have plywood nailed over a window in the nursery today. They're going to complain about it. And I'm going to tell them just to listen to the sermon one more time. I wasn't here last week for Vacation Bible School, but I was getting lots of texts, messages, and videos. And, you know, it looked like this, the, this place had been trashed, just honestly. And I'm like, how awesome is that? That our building is absolutely destroyed because we've been doing ministry to 100 kids, planting the gospel, the good news of Jesus. It's what happens in a healthy church. The carpet's dirty. There's fingerprints on the windows. There's broken glass. <laughs> there's all kinds of things that aren't going to be exactly the way we want them. And sadly today, some people don't really care for things to be messy. Some people just want a place to where they can go to church, to where they will feel comfortable and feel good about themselves or their church. And here's the problem with that. That might be Bible Belt Christianity in our culture today, but that is not biblical Christianity today. That's not what God's Word ever said. Nowhere in the Scriptures did a group of people assemble and talk about things that made them feel good about themselves and ignored their community and the rest of the world. It doesn't happen. Jesus did not say, go and get real busy in Christian activities. He didn't say, go and isolate your children from those other children that don't know Jesus. He said, go and make disciples. He said, go and bring them to me. Invite them to me, to a relationship with me. But sadly today, too many churches, instead of reaching the lost, they're having debates over whether they're going to have church pews or chairs. They're debating whether they should allow drinks in an auditorium or not allow it. They're having debates about the kind of music that's being sung and being played. They're debating over which version of the Bible that the preacher should be preaching from on Sunday while people are dying and going to hell every single day. God help us. Our debate should be, how can we create an environment where we can extend the invitation? How can we create an environment where they might meet this man that came and met me? And changed me and transformed my life and forgave me of my sins and my past and my shame. And if you know someone, 
and you would like to introduce to Jesus and you can't get them to come to church. I've had a lot of people say, I, you know, I, I can't walk through the doors of the church. The roof will fall in. Lots of people have walked through our doors that have said that and it's still here. It's creaked a time or two, but, but maybe you know someone who you, you know there's just no hope, no chance of you ever getting them to come to church with you. Can I suggest this to you this morning? Could Matthew suggest this to you this morning? Have a party. <laughs> you know, have a party at your house. Based on the Bible, I believe Jesus is good with it. I believe he's perfectly okay with it. We have no excuse, none whatsoever, not to be creating environments and situations where people can meet and encounter Jesus. Matthew did that. He created an environment where people that didn't know Jesus would come and meet him. And we have to, as the church, it's my prayer that as the church, we will become more creative in how we introduce people to Jesus Christ. I, I don't want us to just do church for religious people. I, I don't want us to just do church for those who are already convinced because I believe that Jesus wants us to be a church that welcomes the lost, that welcomes the outcast, and a church that creates an environment where they can come to know Him. And my prayer today is not that we would have amazing services here. My prayer is not that we would have entertaining church services. My prayer is that when we come together, we would have worship services where an awakening takes place in the body of Christ. That's my prayer. That we would, we would fall in, in such deep love with our Savior and worship Him that there would be an awakening in the body of Christ and the body of Christ would leave here empowered and go and make disciples. That's my prayer. For you, that's my prayer for me and my prayer for our church. And I believe that when we do that, then, then we will see that our best days as the church are ahead of us. And I just want to thank you today for being faithful in the past. We have reaped much fruit because of it, because of your faithfulness, because of your obedience. But now our focus must be on today. Our focus must be on tomorrow. And how can we bring people to Jesus? So let's go and make disciples. I believe the state of the church is healthy. I believe the state of the church is beautiful in God's eyes. But we're not finished. We're not done. Our best days are ahead of us. And I'm going to tell you something. Just like Matthew, who got a book of the Bible named after him, God can do tremendous things through people that we never dreamed or never imagined. Don't write anybody off. Because let me tell you something. When someone meets Jesus, it changes everything. Let's pray. God, again, we just want to thank you today for your faithfulness and for your good and goodness. What a tremendous blessing to be a part of the work that you've been doing here past hundred-something years. And some of us have been blessed to be here for many years. 
and enjoy the blessings, enjoy the goodness of what you've done. And we praise you and we give you the glory of how you've worked through many people to go and make disciples. We're grateful and thankful to be a part of a church, the church of the Nazarene, that truly gets the call, the great commission to go and make disciples. God, we pray that you continue to bless your church worldwide and locally right here in our town. God, we pray that you continue to lead us, guide us, show us, help us to take our minds to maybe some new places that we've never thought of or considered before about how we can introduce people to you and who you are. And I pray that we would be so focused on you, so focused on your mission, that when people see us, they see your reflection in our eyes, in our words, in our actions, the way we love, the way we extend grace. God, we just want to be more like you because we know if we'll do that, that you'll draw people to you in and through that. So give us a clear sense of direction in the days ahead. We want what you want, and that's for the lost to be saved and know you as their Lord and Savior. It's in Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen. God bless you all. I hope